0: Welcome to Wednesday night service. I know it's snowing in some places. It wasn't sticking at our house, so we're like, we're we're coming, man. Well, I had to I had to preach, so I kind of had to be here. So I didn't have much of a choice. I was thinking about that. I was like, well, what if the pastor just didn't show up? No, I just didn't feel like coming tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. my outside voice yeah <laughs> all right <clears throat> we're continuing in the book of acts oh new believers class yes if you new believer the moogies are going out tonight and they're going to discuss uh prayer and fasting so it's a good one go with them on that it'll be good we're continuing in our book of acts tonight we're starting acts chapter 12 I'm using Matt's big Bible with the big words. I need to get, I'm next. I need to get my eyes checked, so. All right, so let's start reading here. Acts chapter 12. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church, and then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And that was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out the night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, an angel, the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision when they were past the first and second guard post they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, said, Now I know for certain the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. And so they said it was his angel. Now, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and did not find him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea, and he stayed there. So, what we see here, James, the brother of John, these are the sons of thunder, if you remember from your Bible stories. James has just been killed. Peter has been thrown into prison. This is, this is Jesus' inner, inner circle of guys. Peter, James, and John. We have Herod Agrippa. This is not the same Herod that beheaded John the Baptist. This is the next Herod. And he is coming after the church. So he is uh, coming after her members. And ultimately he comes after the apostles because see, he sees how much it pleases the Jews. Right? So he throws Peter in prison. Peter's in prison. Herod is refining. Herod has been finding the church. He's afflicting them. He's imprisoning them. He's spoiling their houses and goods. And afterwards, he proceeds to do greater instances of cruelty among them. So Peter here, we see now, is in prison awaiting his death. James was uh, beheaded by King Agrippa, by uh, Herod Agrippa, In private. And so the Jews wanted a public display. So he thought he'd keep Peter behind prison. And then bring him on the day of Pentecost. And kill him in front of all the Jews for everybody to see. So Peter here. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. Right? James has been killed. And Peter is probably in his mind thinking. Well I'm, I'm facing the same thing. He's facing death. He knew this man to be very cruel. He did not assume that God would deliver him from prison. In fact, he had no way to expect that God would deliver him. That James should die and Peter continue is a mysterious way with God. So Peter lay down to sleep in peace. Look in verse 6. It says, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards keeping the door. So we see here Peter laying down to sleep, not terrified with danger. There's no visible way of escape. There's but a step between him and death, and yet he falls asleep between his enemies. That old Peter may not have done that. The unregenerated Peter, if you remember, that denied Christ now has been baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with power and is sleeping, ready to die between his enemies. He's at peace in prison, waiting to be slaughtered. So what does this mean to us? To us, we have to have faith in God. In verses 3 and 4, it says, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people of Passover. Peter expected that he was going to die. Right? He expected that he was going to die. He didn't know what God was going to do. He laid down to sleep between his enemies saying, ah, God's got me. That's good. That's good. Whatever that, whatever comes, God's got me. Because yes. faith in God is not what we want God to do. Amen. Faith is in God. Amen. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And our greatest reward is finding him and enjoying his presence. Not for what God can do for us, but for who God is. To be in his presence. In Psalm 16:8 it says, "I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand." I shall not be moved. And note the steadfastness of the psalmist here when he claims, he says, because he's at my right hand, I shall not be, what, triumphant? No. Escape sorrows and tribulation? No. Have my life filled with serenity and happiness? No. No. I shall not be moved. Amen. To be able to stand on the spot with steadfast convictions, with steadfast purposes, with steadfast action, continuously in one direction, having done all to stand. Ephesians 6, 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, not lay down on the job to stand, stand in second Corinthians um, chapter 11. Do you have all that up there? Okay, I'm just going to read off here because. You know, my eyes. All right. So it says, this is Paul speaking here. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequently, and death often. From the Jews, five times I receive 40 stripes minus one. I don't know why he just doesn't say 39, but... (laughs) Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the sea. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In weariness and toil and sleepiness. Often in hunger and thirst. And fastings often. I do fast. Besides the other things. What comes upon me Daily. My deep concern for all the churches who is weak. Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble and do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying in Damascus. The governor under a the king was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands did not escape tribulation. Yeah. He didn't escape affliction. He didn't escape persecution. He didn't escape being hurt. He stood. He was steadfast in his faith, regardless of his circumstances. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about Paul and, and, and I'm not Paul at all. I am, I am no Paul, but I, I will tell you in the last 16 years, it's almost been 16 years since we planted this church. I've dealt with a panic disorder. I've been in and out of the ER and doctor's offices. I currently have a gastrointestinal disorder. I've seen a therapist. I've dealt with an ongoing heart arrhythmia for the past however many years had to have my heart zap back into rhythm. I've had three surgeries. I've lost a toenail. I've had five stitches where I bit through my lip. I had seven precancerous moles removed and stitches to follow. I had chemotherapy on my skin. I have an ongoing connective tissue disorder. I have bulging discs in my lower back that flare from time to time. I've been lied about, talked about, persecuted for being a religious zealot by my own family. And on top of all this, my daily concern for my family and the church. I'm still standing. Nothing. If you're grounded in faith, nothing can move you. Nothing can move you. Nothing can stop you. You can sleep between your enemies and be at peace. God, God's got this. Second Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we see then that God allows us to go through things and he comforts us so we then can comfort others. So you know what it's like to go through tribulation and say, you know what? I can comfort you in this. I've been through tribulation. I've been through pain. I've been through affliction. Affliction. Like Paul, we should be able to say, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my, my life dear to myself. His grace is enough. Amen. And can we say that? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that was Paul. He didn't ask to be delivered from anything. He said, God, your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Wherever you want me to go, wherever you want me to do, whatever goes on in my body, whatever circumstances in my, in my family, whatever may come, God, I will stand my ground because your grace is enough. It's enough to see me through this. It's enough to bring me through to eternity. The second part of this that I want you to notice is that you need to be a part of a local church community. Notice in verse five, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Oh, how did they know? Did they have a Facebook message? How did they know Peter was in prison? Because they gathered together all the time, yeah. they knew what was going on with one another. They lived life together. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't see it on Facebook. They didn't get it in email. Please pray for me. Yeah. And the first function of the church is to stand as a community in a living personal relationship with God. First Peter two, four through five says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The church is real flesh and blood relationships. People formed into local congregations and united by the Holy Spirit, living in the bond and spirit of unity in order to give glory to God. The church is the foundation and pillar of the living God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body and bride of Christ. And the church has witnessed throughout centuries in power where sinners are saved and born again, where they're baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit. The church partakes of the Lord's communion and awaits Christ's return. The gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to men are for the church. They are not for the non-believer. They are be used and operated within God's people in the church. The five-fold ministry was given to the church to equip the saints for ministry. And the church carries the true gospel to the next generation. And it exists to take up space until Jesus' return. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about a pastor that retired a couple years ago. And he'd been in the ministry probably 40 years. But, you know, he pastored one church for 30 years. And and when he retired, he has no retirement. He's 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 on and he's working another job. And I look at that man and I said, that man is a huge success story. For 30 years, he operated a church and he passed it on to somebody else that is now still operating that same church and carrying on that. By the world standards, he's got no retirement. He's got nothing. But he's, his retirement was not on earth. His retirement is in heaven. Amen. And what he has done is continuing. He has fed into our ministry so much. He's encouraged my husband so much. And when we look at things, we're like, oh man, that's a sad story. No, it's not a sad story. He invested in heaven and not on this earthly things. He didn't build up earthly things. He built up heavenly things. And his work continues. These relationships cannot be found on Facebook behind a screen. This is not living in relationship. Notice that there was they were in prayer for Peter without ceasing. That means they were in an all-night prayer service. They were praying constantly. They were together, living life together, serving one another, gathering together for preaching and prayer. The Bible says, And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another studying how we may stir up stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as the habit of some people, but admonishing one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Verse 26, for if we go on deliberately and willfully sinning after once acknowledging, acquiring the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice left to atone for our sins. But a kind of awful and fearful prospect and expectation of divine judgment and the fury of burning wrath and indignation which will consume those who put themselves in opposition to God. What I want you to notice, a lot of people take verse 26 uh, out of context. It's specifically talking about not neglecting the assembling of ourselves together. Why is it talking about that? Because that is where we grow. We are are to be constantly progressing in our Christian walk. And this, this is a warning here that if there is no diligence in progress in progressing in our walk... And progress is found in the preaching of the word. It's found in prayer. It's found in corporate worship. It's found in those things within the body. A falling off will take place and an apostasy may ensue. If there is any lukewarmness in your Christian communion, you are in danger of apostasy. That is why that verse 26 is directly connected to those two verses. And taking care of the church and gathering together in the church and being in Bible study and being in preaching and gathering in homes. They were they were in a home and all night prayer thing. Right. And the ministry like the spot. Right. The church was God's creation. Not man. Man didn't form it. God formed it. And God has always, from the beginning of time, had a group of people that he has watched over. A group of people that live in community together, that love one another, that take care of one another. What God has always wanted, right, is the deed to our house. When we were purchased, God purchased the deed to our house. And what God is wanted to do is that he is wanted to come into our house and move the furniture around. He wants to paint the walls and he wants to redecorate with new pictures. He wants to tell you what junk to throw out and what pearls are of great price. He wants to tell you who can visit your home and who's not allowed to. But what some of you have done is instead of giving him the deed, you've built him a mother-in-law apartment. And you've told him, you just stay there. I'll visit you when I want to visit you. I'll go when I want to hear you because God, you nag too much. Just stay in your house, God. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to wear. Don't tell me where to go. Because I can do what I want to do. The Holy Spirit, you know, he's so legalistic. And God's design was for us to be all of his. And that includes being a part of the body of Christ. To move and operate within the church body. And we have to get out of that American consumer mentality. The church's mission is not to serve us. It's to service. We are to be equipped and trained to serve others. And think of others more highly than ourselves. And when the church prays, miracles happen. The church was praying without ceasing and God heard their prayers and he answered them. And guess what? God shows up on time. In verse 7, it says, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Peter was bound with two chains between two soldiers, behind locked and bolted prison doors, where there were keepers of the locked doors, so that no man could rescue him. He wasn't about to get out of there. You can be sure that Herod's prison was secure. Yeah. Yeah. It was tight. No one coming in. No one leaving. I love what Matthew Henry said. When men will think to be too hard for God. God will make it appear that he is too hard for them. And at no time was Peter's imprisonment out of God's control. And even in the midst of his chains and bondage. God delivered. There is nothing that can stop God from doing his will. Nothing. There's no chains, there's no prison, there's no devil, there's no person, there's no government. There is nothing can stop the will of God from being accomplished. Amen. Nothing. Gates and guards kept friends from Peter, but they could not keep the angel of God from him. And Psalm 34 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And each of them he delivers. Psalm thirty-one, fifteen: My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. This is one of my favorite promises of God. My times are in your hands. God knows the number of your days. He counts our hairs. He knows every single hair on our head. He knows the numbers of the stars and he calls them all by name. Is it too much to believe that God can't handle any situation or any circumstance? Jeremiah 32, 27 says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? It's a rhetorical question. God's like, what do you think? Is there anything too hard for me? Peter's chains fell off as if he had been Samson. What are you worried and anxious about? It's interesting. Tradition tells a story about these chains that one of the soldiers kept them as a sacred relic. And they were presented many years later to the Empress Eodosia. And many miracles are said to have been wrought by these chains. Interesting little side note. But the power of God is real. Amen. And he is mighty to save. What are we worried and anxious for? Amen. What do we get anxiety about? What are we worried about? This is a God that stopped the mouth of the lion. If you remember Daniel in the lion's den. This is the same God that opened the Red Sea. Amen. This is the same God that gave a child to Abraham and Sarah when they were a hundred years old. The same God that made Adam out of dust and his wife out of his rib. The same God that fed 5,000 with a few fishes and loaves of bread. Is the same God that raised the dead, gave sight to the blind, healed bodies, released men from demonic possession. He controls the ways of the ocean. He brought down fire from heaven. Is there anything too hard for him? Why do we limit God? If this is the God that controls all things, how are we going to live it? how are we going to limit him? Why are we going to fear?" Right David said, "Whom shall I fear? What do I have to fear? My times are in his hands. Like Peter, I can just lay down between my enemies and say, "Oh, if it's my time, it's my time. I am tired. I'm taking a nap. He slept between two prison guards. His chains fell off. At no time. Has it, is it, will it ever be out of God's control? At no time. And he will show up on time. Always. God shows up on time. Not my time. Not your time. But on time. Always. The last thing you got to put on your sandals. Verses 8 through 10. So the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie in your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. What do you do when you're delivered? Well, you rise up, you put on your saddle, sandals and you follow your deliverer. Amen. Those who are delivered out of imprisonment must follow their deliverer. Yes. You may not know where you're going, you just need to know the one whom you are following. Yes. Peter thought he was dreaming. He didn't know where he was going. He was like, okay, where where are you leading me? Well, he didn't even ask. He just said, okay. (laughs) He just followed him. When God works on your behalf, no difficulties are insurmountable. Even the gates of iron are made to open on your account. He led him out through these iron gates. Isaiah forty five, one two 2 says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him, and I will unarm and ungird the loins of kings to open doors before him, so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and level the mountains to make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut asunder the bars of iron. How can you not follow a God that's so great as this? And we we talked about this, that when when the Lord comes in, you are set free. Amen. He opens the prison and you're set free. Amen. But you can stay there. He didn't have to follow. He could have just stayed right there. He could have just sat down and said, "Well, I'm not leaving. I'm just going to stay right here." My shackles are gone, gates open. I ain't going to follow you. I don't know where you're going. Notice also, when he went out, he didn't go back in. Because when you're set free, God gives you a choice. He says, now follow the Holy Spirit and you will become sons of God. But if you go back and follow your flesh you become again a slave to sin you go back and you get chained again and you're in prison again and you're a slave to your sin John 10 27 the sheep that are my own hear and listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me If you 've been delivered, you follow, and you follow all the way to the end till you're out, and you don't go back. you don't even look back. Why would Peter look back? What good is back there Prison. Why look back? You don't want anything to do with that life? don't look back, keep going. There's nothing for you in prison. Don't look back. Just keep following. Don't look back. The Lord is faithful to see us through to the end of our life. All you got to do is be a sheep. Not a goat. Nope. His sheep know his voice and they follow him wherever he goes. Those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And you can look at people's life and see who's following the Holy Spirit and who's not. It's very clear. As the Holy Spirit leads them paths of righteousness... And there's a freedom like you've never felt before. But the flesh leads to destruction. It leads to imprisonment and slavery again. You've been set free. Who are you going to follow? Jesus says, follow me. The Lord is here tonight to deliver. God is a deliverer. And if you need to be delivered from your sins, God is here tonight to deliver you from your sins. And he wants to set you free once and for all. Yeah. And if you say, I am I, still in bondage to my sins, the Lord is here tonight. And if you need salvation, if you need to have your sins forgiven, if you need, if you need this right now, and you say, I have not been following Jesus... I've been following my flesh. I've been following my ways. He's here tonight to meet with you. Just raise up your hand and say a prayer to him and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, God. And come and restore in me a new heart. And he is faithful to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And some of you here, and I know this because God just showed me this today. Some of you here, you're putting God in the mother-in-law house. And God has wanted the deed to your house and he's wanted to come in and do stuff. And you've just put him to the side. You say, you stay over here, God. I'll come to you when I want. And that's not where God wants to be. He wants to be in you. He wants to be controlling your life. Because either God's in control of your life or you're in control of your life. And God wants to be in control of your life. If you need to make that adjustment, just bow your head right now and just ask him to come and show you, show you that and ask him to make that adjustment in your life. that he is welcome in your house and welcome to turn it over, welcome to do what he wants to do inside you and that you would surrender finally to him, all of you. Just take a minute. Lord, we just thank you for tonight, God. I thank you for this word, Lord. God, help us to stand firm that we will not be moved by anything, God, that you deepen our faith, that if there's any uh, lukewarmness in us, Father God, that you show us that area that we need to repent of, Father, and that we come to you in fullness, God, that there is nothing left that we hold back from you, God, that we give it all to you. We surrender all to you, Lord, and that we can sleep soundly between the prison guards, Father. There's no fear and no anxiety in that. Lord, and we just give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and get your kids. Church on Sunday. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live team.